I came out to my mum, the first thing I said to her was, I'm sorry that you won't have grandchildren. I remember quite clearly. So for me, it was always, mm. yeah, I always wanted a child, but it was kind of, how do you, how do you get that as, a, I guess, as a gay guy? Hurry up the process of, of, of adoption because I knew how long the process would probably take. And yeah, I never really planned to be this old a parent, but you know, you can't change where your life is. You just have to go with it, you know, and make the very best of it. And they said, oh, we just thought you two were waiting for your wives and your wives were up in the room and they're going down. And we were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> and I think that's what kind of send our frustrations as well. Cause it was just those little comments from saying, you wouldn't say that to a straight couple. Hi, I'm Sanjay C. Smith, pronouns he, him, and welcome to the Proud Parent Club, the inclusive LGBTQ plus parenting community. And today I am joined by Mike and Paul Campbell Jennings, who are dads to Roman through adoption via concurrent planning. Hi, boys. Hello. Morning. Uh, morning. How are you both? We're, we're kind of squeezing this in during nap time, aren't we? <laughs> we are, yeah. Tactical. <laughs> so we'll, uh, see, we'll see how we go. <laughs> and and I've I've got a bit of confession to make actually. I so Mike, I know you through mutual friends. Paul, we don't really know each other, but I feel like I do because I've basically watched your entire lives well not obviously everything but i've seen it kind of develop on facebook over the past few years it's from like meeting getting married getting a house and now having a having a child so i'm really excited to to kind of get into the uh the nuts and bolts of it (laughs) (laughs) and you've got quite an interesting or quite a nice how you met story haven't you we have um it depends which version you listen to to be honest um (laughs) i think Yes, it's quite unusual in that we met in the street. I mean, we, <laughs> we we could have met in many different ways, but the truth is it was definitely a fate universe moment because I was in London working. Mike was only working in London one day. I was in a part of London that I would never, ever normally be in, but I was having a, a, a shoulder injection. I was having uh, some uh, some treatment to like a torn shoulder and I was just coming out of that appointment and crossed the street and literally locked eyes with Mike at a, at a crossroads and it was literally that cheesy. It was a proper, <laughs> a proper Jennifer Aniston moment. Uh, it was, uh, I d- yeah, I mean that, that's kind of it. That's the very short version of the story. <laughs> the, the longer version is he then followed me for 20 minutes. <laughs> into a bagel shop and his opening line to me was i think we've got the same gym bag so it was just i mean yeah i mean i had to say something you know in your brain is like just say something he's about to leave he's about to leave (laughs) i'm sure you know this this does happen a lot like you know i i genuinely thought he was probably not gay because he wasn't any, any signal that he was gay and he didn't physically fit the typical mold of a gay you know he's nearly six foot six he's he's you know a crossfitter he's 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 very attractive and all of these things and i just <laughs> most, what most guys most guys are basically is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not my experience <laughs> but so i think i was just desperate to either be his friend which sounds awful i just thought i've got to speak i've got to say something so the line about i think we have the same gym bag was <laughs> literally the best that my brain could come up with in that split second it's not a great opening line it, it also didn't work because I, <laughs> I then left the bagel shop and continued walking to the next office for paul to still follow me <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so he didn't just follow me to one place. He then followed me to, the, to my office I was going to. I kind of walked in, looked, went through security, got in the lift, looked at him and was kind of like, yeah, now what? So he was kind of stood outside, went up, dumped my bag, went back down. I was like, oh, I've got to prep for a coffee across the road and see if he's still there. And he was still stood outside, <laughs> pretending to send emails in the middle of the street. <laughs> he was actually lost because he'd never been that part of London before, weirdly. Uh, and then it was actually me who said, do you want my number then or what? And that, that was that. It, yeah, and that was that. I mean, people may laugh, but the truth is, I'm you know, I have a wedding ring, I have a baby. <laughs> I mean, who, who's laughing now? <laughs> so my well, yeah, exactly. To everybody, I feel like you know, you've got to seize the moment. And you know, I was getting, yeah, I, you know, I'm quite a bit older than Mike, 17 years older than Mike, and I just thought these opportunities don't come around that often. How often are you going to mm. guys with someone in the street and think you there's fireworks, there's something there that's worth exploring? You know, what can you do? Aww. Mike, you obviously live up north in the kind of Manchester yeah. region. Paul, do you were you from that area as well? No, not well, obviously not from that area, but no, did no, you live so, that I mean, area? I've moved and lived in lots of places. I'm from Belfast originally. I was living in London for 18 years, and it just so happened that I was just at the point of thinking London was done. I think I just decided 18 years was a good run. I knew I had enough money in my flat that if I sold it and took it somewhere else in the country, I actually would be in a good position. So I was looking for a way out in a way and then meeting Mike and he said, I'm from Manchester. I just thought, bingo, that's my place. So <laughs> it was the best decision. Manchester is a fantastic place to live. Yeah. So, so, so happy that I moved here and all of the, the type of life and quality of life we have here in terms of the house and, and just being able to have cars and dogs and a baby and all of these things. I just don't know that I could have done it in London, quite honestly. And people yeah. do it, of course. And, and I take my hat off to that. But I, I think... I think our life is a, is significantly easier not living in London. Yeah, I, I I miss it. I so I went to uni in Manchester and I love it. And Doug um, lived there for like over ten, almost twenty years. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like a second second home. It's and yeah, it's definitely a lot friendlier than London. <laughs> yeah, great city. People talk on the street. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then and so fast forward, how many years? Nearly four, just under four nearly four years and you've you've moved to manchester you got married and you now have a, a beautiful baby and so when did that conversation start about having kids is that paul is that something you always thought you were going to always. to have yeah absolutely always my um I, I have a brother who's only three years older than me but he got started having children so young he was only 24 25 when he started to have children so they are all unbelievably they're all proper 27 and 26 year old adults i mean that that just blows my mind because yeah the opportunity for me just never really came up and i genuinely thought i had missed the boat actually and because i think i was already gosh how old was i when i met mike 46 maybe yeah i was 46 when i met mike and i genuinely just thought this is probably too late and then but luckily when we spoke about children which we did probably very early maybe in the first few months even just as an idea mm. Very luckily, Mike was absolutely on board with it. And I think my age is something that probably made us speed up. We have done a lot very quickly, quite honestly. I think in terms of the meeting, you know, we got engaged on our first anniversary. We got married quickly in COVID. Then we had a, an actual celebration of, you know, a proper wedding. Um, so we had kind of two weddings plus a house renovation. You know, we did a lot, packed a lot in. And I think there was definitely a, an element of trying to hurry up the process of, of, of adoption because I knew how long the process would probably take 
And yeah, I never really planned to be this old a parent, but you know, you can't change where your life is. You just have to go with it, you know, and make the very best of it. And everything works out like it's meant to work out. I do believe that. Yeah. Definitely never intended. I always hoped I would have a child in my thirties and it just wasn't, it just didn't, it just didn't work. Life just didn't work out that way, you know? Yeah. And, and, and Mike, did, was that the same with you? Did you yeah. always feel that? I think so. I think so. I, I've got a bit of internalized homophobia. I remember when I, when I came out to my mum, the first thing I said to her was, I'm sorry that you won't have grandchildren. I remember it quite clearly. So for me, it was always, mm. yeah, I always wanted a child, but it was kind of, how do you, how do you get that as a, I guess, as a gay guy, particularly kind of a single gay guy, but once I met Paul, it kind of became, this can be a reality actually yeah yeah and yeah as Paul said kind of done things quite quickly but it's never felt it's never felt rushed which is all I guess if someone looked at the timing do you know they'd be like, oh, it, it could appear to be rushed in terms of we did that quite quickly and the like but it's never felt that way everything everything's felt right and we've done it for the right reason at the right time for us and yeah do need to probably calm down now and let somebody else uh let, let other people crack on do you know but it's yeah it's good it's good but then, but then I think to that point though, I feel like four years. If a straight couple met, married, had a house and a baby within a space of four years, no one would think that was rushed. No, true, true. And again, that is, no I mean, one. Just, it, yeah, it's kind of is it a perception thing? Do you know? If, yeah, I guess in the gay community, kind of like you're doing that quite quickly. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I think with a straight couple, you'd be like, oh, right, yeah, that's just kind of the norm, isn't it? Do you know. Yeah. what society perceives as a norm anyway. I'm sure, obviously, you, you're probably going to talk about the difference of the, the two types of adoption. We did something called CCP, which is concurrent planning. So that is where you effectively foster from day one. But at the same time, it's called concurrent because at the same time that you're fostering, in the background, there is an adoption process which is which is beginning because that can take a long time. And it's really for cases where... The family situation, the birth family situation is is usually not looking super positive. And I think they do it on, in a way because they believe there is a pretty high likelihood that this baby will not go back to its birth family. Yeah. Therefore, we should just, you know, not waste another year. Do you know what I mean? Doing fostering and yeah. starting adoption. So they do it. It's called concurrent because they both run at the same time. And for us, there are not many people who do concurrent. It's a fairly new process. I think it's mostly in the Northwest, actually. I don't know if it's national, is it? Uh, not our agency is definitely prominent over here, kind of in the northwest. But I, yeah, I think it is relatively new thing, isn't it? In terms yeah. of that, but, and I guess during that time, the the whole aim is to get the child back with the bear family. Yeah, but we are. We were simply viewed as you are his carers. You have no yeah. real parental responsibility for, for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, it's. It was, a, it was a difficult time, but the, it, I think it was a build-up to it of actually getting approved, which took eleven months. Where the, the kind of the questioning, the interviews, going through bank statements, kind of like personality questionnaires and everything, which comes through, and and the majority of that was by a team. So we, I guess, the process for us of getting approved was actually worse than the process of the fostering part to then kind of yeah. full adoption for us. I think, Definitely. yeah, and I think this is normal. Anyone who goes through an adoption will have exactly the same experience. I think our two choices, just going back a little bit, our two choices were traditional adoption, yeah. this brand new thing that someone told us about called CCP. And it's because we started to call a few agencies and ask their advice in the very beginning. And they said, what age of child are you looking for ideally? And 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 we said, well, you know, as young as possible, maybe. And we were so naive. We were like as thinking we could choose. And we were like, 
oh, we'd like a six-month-old, please, or a 12-month-old. <laughs> I mean, we literally said that, and they went, right, that's not actually what you tend to get through traditional adoption. Traditional adoption tends to be three-year-olds. Three plus, really. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and which actually is heartbreaking to think, where are those children between the age of zero and three? But, but mm. because we, we talked a lot about, do we want a three-year-old? I don't know. Gosh, that's positive, but then there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And then someone said, you might look into something called CCP, which is where you actually could be given a child from birth um or certainly very young but the risk with it is at the time they said the stats were 90 percent of the of of the time you could keep the baby but in 10 percent of the cases that the agency had done historically 10 percent of the time the baby had gone back to the birth family so that is the risk that we knew we were running but with traditional adoption you always have the risk that the 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 birth family still contest at any point so i feel like having one of the great things about this was the friendships we made through all of this, through all of the groups who were going through the process at the same time. We have a really helpful WhatsApp group with couples who basically started at the exact same time as us. And half of the group were doing traditional adoption and half were doing CCP. So what's mm-hmm. been interesting is I think we were the second couple. Let's say there's yeah. maybe eight couples in the group. We were the second couple to get a baby, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's been really great to see in the WhatsApp group every couple of weeks somebody will say amazing we've been matched we and you just watch every single person in the group i think now has has a child but one of the group who did ccp has had to give her baby back after yeah 11 months which yeah it's just very very hard um as a process and it's and it's a really it's a really i guess <laughs> challenging thing to think about because i suppose that what's what everyone wants is what's in the best interest for that little child right overall in yeah. terms of that kind of their life and there's a lot of i guess emotions all over the place for lots of different people on and but you know to to have that feeling of really wanting to look after this child and then knowing that you know there was a chance there is a chance that that might not continue i guess must be a really difficult thing emotionally to manage yeah during the time as well you kind of the expectation is that you take them to see the bear family I guess that could be quite difficult in terms of building that relationship with the, the family to then kind of sever all ties when the adoption actually goes through um but yeah it's a i, I kind of view it as a job though do you know as a foster could have been off work it, for me it was a case of well this is now my job as opposed to going to work doing what i used to do you know and kind of viewed it that way and, and kind of track the social workers as as kind of stakeholders as you would in a business you know weird time definitely weird time um but the outcome of it is we, we've got roman and his now yeah done and you know it's a, the best best possible feeling so yeah and and what's the difference between um concurrent planning and foster to adopt because i know mike said oh you did foster adoption you said no it's concurrent yeah, planning. yeah. So, what's 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 the actual difference between those two things so concurrent planning they still haven't decided whether or not the end result is adoption whereas yeah. fostering to adopt they tend to have already made that decision but you so kind of the court has already decided that adoption is the right thing for that child but there's an element of fostering before that adoption goes through so Got it's it. And I guess the child's likely to be older because they've had to go through that kind of at least six month court process to get to that point. Um, whereas the policy kind of concurrent plan is from birth. Sometimes, yeah. And, and when you and when you took um, responsibility for your son, they, literally it was like a phone call, wasn't it? That just they said, right, you need to get to hospital now. Found out two weeks before, so we we found out we'd been selected for him, or kind of chosen by a social worker, um, two weeks before he was born. 
And then it wasn't until, so we found out, we was born on Sunday, kind of early hours in the morning. It wasn't until that Sunday night we actually found out, was it, that it, it was kind of a, he was now born. It was, it was called unknown, the kind of surname at the point, you know. So it was a bit, it was a bit of a weird time kind of waiting for that to happen because kind of you, you're all set, you're ready to go. It's like, well, he's not even here yet. Do you know, so you kind of gig yeah. up for something. Um, and then they're not allowed to kind of grant removal from birth family until he's an actual live being. Um, so that didn't yeah. until it was three days old, actually. But it wasn't it was kind of it was two days old. It was, it was in NICU for 10 days, really, really sick. Do you know, it wasn't until kind of two days in the social worker said he's on his own, kind of is, is being abandoned, essentially. Can you get there today? Court hadn't decided anything yet. But yeah, he, he just needs, he needs kind of love, care, cuddles, and support and stuff. Even legally, we had no responsibility. We were total strangers. The court had not said you can go. It was still 24 hours before that. But I think the, the nurses did the right thing by saying someone needs to come. And yeah. We jumped at that. Mike was able to get out of work straight away. Never logged off, never logged off quicker in my life. <laughs> right. So yeah. See you in four and a half months. <laughs> yeah. And that helped. So that, that kind of meant from, from, from two days old, he felt like our responsibility. The second we walked in, we, because you, it's just instinct because there's nobody around and we are effectively the parents at that point, although we're not allowed to be, call ourselves that. Um, we just absolutely go into we will make you better mode um, yeah. and did everything we could. So we would stay there 12 hours a day and we just couldn't stay longer because we also had two dogs. We had to try to get back. Um, you know, the rest of our life had to try and work. We had to sleep so that we could get up in the morning and, and come back and spend another 12 hours with him. And every day of those kind of eight, nine, 10 days was just spent trying to make him better. Yeah. Really, it was Operation Get Roman Better and Getting Home. It's kind of how we viewed it, and and that's like I guess incredible that you're able to be there so early to to support support him in that way. And it looks like from what I can see, he's absolutely thriving now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I mean Instagram, you, you show the best bits, don't you? But it generally is, <laughs> it genuinely is a, a, a just a dead chilled, happy, sure <laughs> rugby player for sure. <laughs> And that's uh, as soon as we can get him in rugby tots when he's two, he's, he's <laughs> going. Um, but I was going to ask you about this. I how how have you two managed to? Because like Mike, you you seem to have really kept up your like exercise routine, yeah. and that is something that I need some tips on because I have gone to absolute. <laughs> yeah, uh, just I'm I'm so I'm the most I, I'm so organised. Like I, I need you know I need that level of organisation in my life. <laughs> to function so for us it's just kind of weekends a tag team so i go paul then goes kind of when we come back but we, then during the week kind of still managed to go three times so to split to split it up really and make it work i think for, for us certainly it's important to us and if we didn't do it i wouldn't be as good of a parent as i am to roman because i would be stressed anxious wouldn't feel good about myself do you know so for me there's I need to be able to to go to the gym and, and and get that kind of exercise in for me to be able to to function better. I think certainly, yeah, it is. I think it's super cheesy to say that it's just about priorities. We, we we are not people that watch TV. We are not really those people. We probably do forty five minutes or an hour of TV at night before we go to bed. But because the gym is just so important to us, I think we used to go before Roman was born. We used to go six times a week each, and now we do four because we've managed out that we can do. A couple of tag teams a week. We I work from home one day a week, so we both get to go on a Thursday. We both get to go on a Saturday. So we get four gym sessions a week. 
But we go to bed at 8.30. It used to be 9 o'clock, and now it's actually embarrassingly 8.30. I mean, Roman goes to bed at Wow. So we have almost zero time, but that's because one of us is up at half five to go to the gym because that's for us. I know people prioritize different things, and this is not a judgment, you know, but we always got up early anyway, and that's no different. It's just now we have to go to the gym and tag teams rather than both go at the same time. That's the only change. And by bed at 8.30, you mean sleep at 8.30? We've actually been <laughs> about seven to watch TV in bed. Wow. <laughs> we, but yeah, Roman, Roman's asleep from six. I mean, he's, he's tired out from nursery and whatever, yeah. flat out at six o'clock, sometimes earlier. You know, so for us, it's kind of like you get an hour in there. He sleeps 12 hours. We're absolutely, for now, I know so he, he may not always do this. He is the best. He's just the best at everything. He's the most chilled, amazing baby. But 12 hours sleep is incredible yeah so he goes to bed from six till about six o'clock and then he gets up and has a bottle and then he might have another little 40 minute nap before he has to get up and get ready for nursery but i mean he is just the easiest baby to look after i think we're very calm and very chilled and maybe we're, we have a very calm house and maybe he picks up on that or maybe this yeah. is how he was always going to be i don't know but i i hope that we've helped to make him yeah that that chilled because he's just very very easy going and and unhappy but his sleep definitely gives us... If babies don't sleep, I think parents lose their minds. I have every sympathy. We have a lot of friends who are up every hour, every two hours. And I think your life is not the same. We From the beginning, you know, once he got past his one o'clock, four o'clock wake-ups that he used to do, like all babies do, at about six weeks, that dropped to 1 p.m. only. And then that just disappeared and he slept all night. And then he's done that every day since. Yeah. We, we're very, very lucky but it means we can get up with a clear head. One of us goes to the gym. One of us does nursery drop off, and we have a routine, and it, it works. That's the thing. It's a routine. So I'm a stickler for a routine, and it's been <laughs> a routine from the offset. So even when we was in hospital, I remember the the one thing I take away from when we was in hospital with the nurse. It was like parent school for the first ten days, to be honest. Well, eight days, to be honest. And the nurse said, if he's if he's just had a bottle and he's crying within three hours, he's not hungry. So don't feed him because he'll just be snacking. And if you get into that the kind of motion of feeding him every hour or two hours in the day, by default, come nighttime, he's going to be up every once, two hours because he wants a little snack. So I kind of, I took that away kind of and, and kind of stuck by that really. And and that's, yeah, yeah. that's just really helped uh, kind of routines and embedding that with him, kind of set meal times and nap times and the like, yeah. So basically, what you're telling me is I watch too much TV, and that's why I'm not exercising <laughs> enough. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I'm taking away from that. <laughs> and you just had your first family holiday recently. We have, yeah, first family holiday abroad, which was oh, that was, was just amazing. Is I think because Roman enjoyed it so much, and just seeing the joy and happiness on his face, and how much he was loving it, just for us, it was one of the best holidays I've ever been on. Which is yeah it was just it was amazing wasn't it yeah he's just yeah everyone was obsessed with him so and he came on loads as well during that time i think because so many people were talking to him and i don't know whether it's because we was with him kind of 24 7 for a week whereas yeah we work full time he's at nursery four full days do you know so we i guess we don't see that kind of how he is during the day other than kind of weekends um but he just 
came on so much as well, babbling away, trying to pull himself up, loved the swimming pool, like legs and arms going. It was just, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. So good. I think there's I think there's something to be, I think, I know Aria started crawling when we were on a holiday with all of Doug's family. And I feel like when there's loads of people, there's just that continuous interaction that even, obviously you spend lots of time interacting with your kid, but when there's, it's just constant when there's lots of different people yeah. around, isn't it? And that it kind of helps I think that development quite a lot. Absolutely. Definitely. And that's, that's exactly how it felt like, didn't it really? Just with people around the pool, just coming up and I mean, meal times were the worst because it's like, right, he does get quite distracted. He's so nosy, such a nosy little boy. And anyone walking past is like, he's looking around. It's like, you feel to your kid, like, come on, do you know? So yeah. In the end we had to choose tables because <laughs> it's an all inclusive and we didn't really leave the hotel. In the end, we had to choose a table at lunch or dinner, which was in the corner and with him facing away because so many people would come. I mean, I'm not joking. In a typical meal, let's say five people would come up while we're eating to say, I just wanted to say you have the most beautiful baby we've ever seen and he's so chilled and we love watching him in the pool. And he literally had his own fan club on that holiday. (laughs) And we were basically invisible. I mean, no, not look, we, we used to get attention. Here's the thing. like We used to be the budgie smuggler speedo guys. So we used to go to, you know, years ago, we used to go to these holidays and walk around the pool and we would see everyone elbowing each other and snigger, snigger, snigger every time we'd walk around with our rubber ducks and our speedos and all that. And um, we used to get a bit of attention because, you know, Mike's tall and, you know, I'm wide (laughs) between us. Between us, we used to get a bit of attention. This was something on a different level. This was like two guys with a baby and nobody could work out what was going on. And when a couple's yeah. were brave enough to come and talk to us, this couple said, oh, we've been watching you in the first day. We couldn't work out what was going on. And we thought maybe, because Roman has dark hair, maybe he was, you know, hit my son. And they said, oh, we just thought you two were waiting for your wives and your wives were up in the room and they're coming <laughs> down. And we were like, hee, hee, yeah, yeah. you're a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of saw the cogs turning people's heads as, as we walked past, kind of thinking, what is what is happening here? Like, what what is this set? Yeah. Do you know? But they all use, a bit like when you have a dog and you go to the park, people talk to the dog, right? So on holiday, people would talk via Roman too. So anything they wanted to ask us, because anybody that wanted to know the story because we did look a bit unusual. <laughs> yeah. Are these your daddies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically that, yeah. Because we because we'll talk to this subject. We could talk about Roman and the adoption. We could talk about that all day long. I could talk to you about that twenty four hours a day because I'm so excited and proud of 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 him and that story. But actually, what was lovely was two different couples in the hotel came to us to say, "Oh, do you mind if we ask you a question? I know it's a bit personal, but have you adopted?" this boy because we are going through adoption and we would like to ask you how your process so that was like oh my god take a seat we will literally what do you want to know yeah we'll talk all day long about this but i'll always at the same time maybe i focus too much on the negatives because i i personally did find the process to be incredibly difficult and i thought it was i thought the level of scrutiny was was so was so deep that i feel like for me, 80% of the questions and things that we covered were not strictly necessary to actually decide, are we going to be good dads or not good dads? And I found that asking questions for the sake of asking questions, just so the agency would cover their own back. I feel like everyone on yeah. the chain is trying to cover themselves. And I understand why maybe there's been some cases in the past where they had to ask these questions or they didn't ask them in the past and maybe they should have. And I get that. But because you know you're a good person and you know you're offering a great opportunity and a great home of safety and love and all of these things, especially when you know the home that the baby 
you know the alternative, you know where the baby could have gone. And you think after 11 months, are you still not sure that we're a better option than that? I, I don't know what else to tell you. You've been through my school records. You've been through my, my, you've had a reference from my boss, my friends, my family. You've asked me to go to X partners and ask them to write references. That was the most humiliating part for me personally, having to unblock people on Facebook and ask them to do me this massive favor after 11 years of not speaking. I found things like that to be a level of scrutiny that was just completely not necessary. And there were definitely times when I would turn to Mike at least twice during that 11 month process. I said to Mike, I think I'm done. I don't think I want to do this anymore because there's got to be another route because I'm finding this very, very difficult. The amount of information we have to share, um, it's hard. I, I became much more defensive in it than I thought I would. Mike was much better at handling the questions and just was very practical and said, well, we just have to answer Crack this. on with it, you know. Needs as soon as we give them the answers, on. we can move on. And I thought, well, no, I don't care. Like, why does it matter what I was doing when I was in Madrid in 1994? It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I can't get a reference because I didn't exist. I was a student. I have no record. I wish I'd never said I went to Madrid. You know, there were things... I found the process to be very, very grueling, and it's long, yeah. and it's and it's one thing talking about yourself, and you think, oh, this will be fun. We just get to talk about ourselves, but it's not. It's, <laughs> it's digging into your past and looking at, but what was your first job when you were seventeen, and 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 what relevance does that first job have? And, oh my gosh, I I think I, I found it hard, really, really hard. But I'll always share that with people because I want people to know you need to know that this is the level of detail you're going to have to provide because nobody told. I definitely did not know that. I don't know if Mike did. I guess no. not. Nobody prepared us for that level of scrutiny. And what would you what would you say? I guess if you were if you were giving advice to yourselves at the start of the process that you've been through, what would you what would you have said to yourselves? Sounds an awful thing. To, uh, play the game, which is an awful an awful <laughs> thing, and that but that that really is how because ultimately we were we were honest and we were truthful throughout all of this, and one of the parts which we got pulled up on. We kind of we completely disagreed with we we got pushed back and got asked to see a counselor because they didn't think our social worker didn't think that we could communicate with each other on an emotional level which for us we were like well, that's we are both very practical people we don't talk to each other on an emotional level but we communicate kind of non-verbally do you know so i i know exactly how paul's feeling just by the way he's looking and that kind of thing my emotions show on my face far too easily. So at the point when I was frustrated with the questions and the process, it was all over my face that that was happening. So actually the advice that a friend gave me probably 10 months in was, you're going to have to become a better actor if you want to get through this process. And that's that's might seem like very odd advice, but if you are struggling, I think the thing is I wouldn't change one second of it. I would do it all 10 times over. If someone said that you get Roman at the end of this, of course I would do every bit of it. I wouldn't complain. But I think I should have been better at faking my frustrations because it just it made the process actually longer. And that is why they ended up saying, we're going to delay you for three months because we want you to see our counsellor and discuss how you communicate. And I thought it's because we're rolling our eyes at the process. It's nothing to do with me and Mike and how we feel about each other. We know we are stable. We know we're a good home for a, for a baby. I think our frustration with the process probably came out in a different way. And looking back, I wish I had done a much better job of just smiling and gritting my teeth and answering the questions and saying, great, any more questions? I, sh I wish I'd done that. I think it was, a, for me, it was a frustration with the perception as well. And I think there still is a, a societal perception of um, gays in a baby or gay people having a baby in the 
have not a straight couple because I remember one company social worker once said to us, she was like, oh, you know, you and your fancy lifestyle. I was like, hang on, hang on a minute. Like, we, we do not have a fancy lifestyle at all. Like, our idea of a good night out is going to the local pub and getting pie and chips. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah, not all yeah, fancy yeah. restaurants. It's not not what her perception of what a gay couple would be. And we found that to come across quite strongly, actually. And I think that's what kind of sent our frustrations as well. Because it was just those little comments which saying, you wouldn't say that to a straight couple at all yeah you know, and, and they wouldn't even question their lifestyle and it's like well, what do you mean do you know it, yeah yeah but even if you did have a fancy lifestyle yeah. and you did like to go to nice well you know whatever like why does that matter exactly yeah. like the the important thing is giving being able to give a a happy a happy home to a to a child absolutely yeah and we, so it shouldn't matter but it, should, and it was those kind of things where it's it, it felt more of a judgment than an assessment at times and I think that yeah. we we obviously kind of roll our eyes at that, but it's it's one of those that we we yeah didn't really take too kindly to it. But it, it, it kind of end result we've got Roman and, and would if anyone asked would you do it again I'd go through the process again if if the end result was Roman absolutely because was, look, look yeah. what we got do you know and yeah, yeah and, and he's amazing and kind of we're, we're glad we went through that to get to that point. And it sounds like he's woken up. He's just woken up, yeah. He's also teething at the minute. Um, there's a oh. lot of slaver going about and um, a lot of rubbing on the gums. Uh, talk about background noise, Sanjay. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and and just for everyone listening, uh, Paul is with Roman. Paul has gone off camera yeah, yeah, yeah. a few minutes ago to go tend to Roman. It, so, um, oh, oh, there he is. Back. There we are. <laughs> Hello. There he is. Hi. Guest appearance. How thriving he is. Look how thriving. Nice to meet you. It should be quite quiet. Just He's happy now we can see him. Uh, yeah. And he can see his reflection. Uh, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ara's, Ara's the same. She very much likes to... Uh, she's obsessed with our phones yeah. and, like, what putting the camera on our phones. But, but I guess it's because we're on them a lot. So she's she's probably just like, oh, this that must be cool because you're using it. But he's obsessed with phones to the point where he cries if you move it away from him. It's like, no, no, we're not getting to that point. You know, yeah, he needs to get him a little mini little mobile phone, don't we, kiddo? And all that hair. You just gave oh, him a haircut, right? Yeah, he's had a few haircuts. I'm, I'm practicing on oh, well. he's my, uh, <laughs> my little test pilot. He does, he does very, he does, as long as he's watching a cartoon, he lets me cut away. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, thank you both for having a chat to me today. It's, uh, and it's lovely to get to meet you. Um, and yeah, th- thanks for um, sharing your story and for sharing that different path to becoming becoming a family and yeah excited to see excited to see uh Raymond carry on thriving <laughs> next month it's madness Ariel will be one uh, I know I don't yeah she's like two, like a week and a half away yeah. it's, I don't know where the uh I don't know where the time has gone so it's uh yeah but right. trying to trying to plan what we're what we're gonna do for it yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you very much thank and uh have a great Sunday Cheers. you too Bye. That's it for this week on the Proud Parent Club podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget there's a new episode every week. So make sure you follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, for exclusive previews of next week's show, give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok at the Proud Parent Club. See you next week.